Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Dr. Lawrence Tam. I'm Dr. Damian Kristoff. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated in bringing wellness into your lives. Today we have a special guest, a very, very special guest from the capital city of Australia. Uh, we have uh, Mr. Diamond Dave. Diamond Dave, how are you doing today? Yeah, very well. Thank you, man. How about yourself? I'm very well. Uh, welcome to the show. This is our uh, second interview um, in terms of uh, to, at the Wellness Guys. And uh, Diamond Dave, tell us why we call you Diamond. <laughs> uh, it's a sort of a, it's a funny kind of story. I, um, I've got a background through mixed martial arts, I suppose, or at least um, Muay Thai and Thai kickboxing. And a few of my mates and I were joking around about uh, fighter names and paying out fighter names and so forth. And we... Um, came up with a few of our own, and there was a certain kickboxer from uh, the Netherlands that he's called Raymond the Diamond Deckers, um, and that name sort of stuck with me, and uh, and to be truthful, the the analogy of a diamond is something that I quite like as well, you know, as a, a rock that is um, made that way under immense pressure, so I suppose over the coming years and the years that have passed, I plan to be that rock. I like it, I like it. Well, that's pretty much, well, you must have three other diamonds here because we work under immense pressure. That is right, of course. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely immense pressure. But uh, Dave, it's great to have you on the call. And look, Dave, um, many people are probably asking, what's kickboxing or Muay Thai got to do with wellness and well-being? And, uh, and fair question because... You know, just if you if you ask if you ask somebody down the street, you know, what do you do? And they said, "Oh, I'm a kickboxer." They're probably going to go, "Cool, great to meet you. I'm glad I'm your mate." Um, rather than actually meeting you down a dark alley, and they would not necessarily realise that what you actually do and what you actually could teach people could actually help them um, in a functional sense. And so, tell us a little bit about what you do and maybe a company that you've got called Funk Fitness Australia. What's all that about? Yeah, sure, mate. I've been in the um Myself, I suppose. I've been in the industry since I was about 15. Mm-hmm. And, How old are you um, now? I'm 22 now. So turning 23 in about uh, another month, which is, yeah, I'm getting old, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, yeah, same. We're getting old. We're about <laughs> 22. Yeah, we're about that. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah, getting old. Get uh, on with it. <laughs> I'm ready to retire anyway. But look, um, yeah, so I started quite very young, I suppose. I was sort of uh, knew what I wanted to do, um, at least had an idea, and from there, I went and I worked in a few gyms, or actually the one gym for the, my first six years of employment. Um, started managing that gym at the age of 18, uh, managing all three gyms at the age of 19. Um, and sort of from there, I, I had a massive passion for what I was doing, what was going on. Obviously, at the age of 16, getting up and catching eight buses a day to go to work in the morning and school and back to work in the afternoon. You're sort of you're doing that for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the coming years, I sort of grasped a bit more knowledge and extended it past Certificate 3 and Certificate 4 in fitness that most people do and started understanding that the stuff that most people do, I mean, majority of people do in the gyms is not really relevant to anything we do outside of the gym. Um, Good point. So from there, I sort of done a bit more study, a bit more research and started looking into what's called functional training, uh, where my business comes in uh, as Funk Functional mm-hmm. Fitness Australia. So. So, okay, you know, functional fitness, that's all good and well. We hear about functional movements and functional foods and, you know, I suppose a functional lifestyle. What's what's that mean, you know, in real terms? We've got the average punter driving on the road right now. Um, what, what does functional mean? What's that all about? The easiest way for me to explain it to somebody is that if you have something and it's functioning, it means it's working. 
the way that something functions means there's a way that it works. And it's really simple to, therefore, you go, well, let's look at your training or your exercise regime or whichever you want to call it. Uh, let's look at your nutrition. If that's functioning, then it's working. It's working the way that it's meant to work, I suppose. So in that sense, it makes perfect sense. Okay, so like I'm going to go to the gym. Let's say look, well, I'm not, but because I, you know, I'm not a gym bloke. But and many of you, you might find that surprising. But uh, you know what? But, I mean, I'm not a gym bloke either. I'm not. I'm going to jump in. I'm not a gym bloke either. I don't like the silent egotistic wars that go on and the makeup that's on the treadmills and that sort of stuff. To be honest, I'm not a big fan of gyms. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll, no, Good. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I was going to go and do some bicep curls. So let's say, for example, I go do some bicep curls and then I go onto another machine and I do some pec deck flies or something like that. What? Why isn't that any good for me or why should I do something different? Um, in my opinion, here we go. In my opinion, I suppose. Well, it's not really opinion because, you know, obviously you've got, you know, you, you know this stuff, right? Because you've gone yeah. and done some studies and, and research into this sort of thing, which is what you said before. So it's actually your experience. Yeah, sure. Good point. Bicep curls and movers like that, even even um, lat pull downs and using machines as well. Uh, all those movements, like I said earlier, they don't mimic anything we do outside of the gym. So I suppose where I come in is that we look at the body um, and the movements that it does on the sporting field or in the garden or walking up a mountain or whatever. And at no point in time do you ever just use a muscle group. True. Um, however. You know, you get your three-day program at the gym or your two-day program or whatever it might be, and you're constantly just doing muscle groups the majority of the time. Um, that doesn't make sense, like I said earlier, in what we do. I suppose we look at the body, and I especially look at the body, as a push-pull system. So you, whether you pick up your suitcase off the ground, you're pulling, you're doing a deadlift. Uh, whether you're you know, putting things above the fridge, you're pushing, you're doing a shoulder press. So you just look at that. However... Looking at those exercises, talk about putting something by the fridge, the shoulder press that we're looking at. People go, oh, so we do shoulders. You go, no, that's not the case as well. We start looking at the whole body producing that movement. So while you're putting that thing above your head, your whole midsection is going crazy. It's going nuts trying to stabilize as well. So we start, like I said, look at that whole body as a push-pull system rather than doing bicep curls, a muscle group, doing pec deck, a muscle group, and getting fitter that way. Nice. So, so it's about learning how to activate those muscle groups together, and, and learning how to, I guess, uh, you know, activate the right muscle groups at the right time to do the right movement. Because, you know, as you said, you never use just one of those muscles at a time. So if you're going to use them all at once, it makes sense that you want to practice how you do that. Is that fair to say? Absolutely, I 100 percent agree. Yeah. So, cool. so, so Dave, what do you reckon? You know, if you're going into, you know, there's, there'll be a lot of people out there who are going into a conventional gym and spending a lot of time on the machines and, you know, doing that sort of training. What do you reckon, what are the, you know, perhaps what are the sort of the three key things that people get wrong in that environment? What do you reckon are the three biggest mistakes that people can tend to make in terms of the way they exercise? Um, first thing, use machines, for one. Now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, massive, yeah, okay. Second yep. thing, um, how long they take in the gym as well. So yeah, okay. your time in there is um, doesn't have to be an hour and a half, for example, when you're doing two bench presses. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Dave, we've got this great gym. You know, we've got some gyms in Adelaide, and there's a couple of great ones that have you know the cafe and the yep. you know the movie theater and the you know the whole works <laughs> oh. is all in there. And I think people spend you know a couple of hours in there, and two thirds of that time is spent sipping a latte, I reckon. And so you reckon that might not be the best use of your time in terms of training? No, but it's really good for the business of the gym. So. Uh, <laughs> Is a really easy way to put it, and I've got an interesting idea which I might share with you guys later on that I'm looking to do over the next two years. But okay, 
the the third point I suppose would be the movements that they do in the gym as well. So everyone getting an idea, and this is where I think they go wrong, that they go, oh, I've got different goals than this person, so therefore I need different training. And that's not always the case. Um, going back to your bicep curls and all those sorts of movements as well, everybody, most males, want to be stronger. They don't necessarily want to be bodybuilders, right? But they want to be stronger and be able to um, do anything at anywhere, anytime. Pick the stuff up they want to pick, pick up or play the sport they want to play because they're able to do it, because they're athletic enough to do it and strong enough and fit enough, I suppose. The term for the opposite of the guys that go to the gym, there's a lot of guys that at around my age that do this and at all ages, I suppose. And they do their lifting and all that kind of stuff, and you put them under the normal paces of what, you know, I suppose athleticism may require, um, and they can't do it, even though they're strong within those movements. And I label those guys a DMO, which is a display model only. <laughs> I love it. So they look good on display, but you put them under the paces of, of a sporting regime or anything, and they can't produce the results. So, that's, right. that's excellent. That's so funny. I saw that actually on your functional fitness Facebook page, and I'm thinking, DMO question mark, what does that mean? But now I'm, I'm loving it. It's yeah. Yeah. Dave, you like my little robot, did you? Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Dave, um, I, I mean, obviously, you know, most of the, the people that listening on these calls, or even you mentioned this before, that most of your clients are female. And a lot of female clients, you know, they'll be questioning this and thinking, what do you mean? Like whether main goals are usually to, to either lose fat or to lose weight. Um, how does functional fitness, pardon? Tone up their butt. Yeah. Tone up their butt or, you know, get it down to the dress size. You know, they used to be, get into those skinny jeans that they used to be, to be able to fit into, you know, those, how their, their question is, how does functional fitness, um, you know, help me do that? Isn't it all about doing cardio? Yeah, sure. The biggest thing is that you can't, out, can't out-train fat. So number one thing is nutrition, um, hands down. So the biggest thing about you know, getting lean uh, and losing those dress sizes is nutrition. So until the person is ready to learn about nutrition, I don't push that with that person as well. Um, with regards to the training, though, uh, females need a lift. A lot of females think, and I've heard this a lot, they go, I put on muscle really easy. I'm like, really? I've got 40 other clients that are male that don't put on muscle really easy, and they've got 14 <laughs> times more testosterone than you. So I'm not sure how that works out. <laughs> but uh, I suppose most females, uh, if not all females actually, need to, need to lift. They need to do their um, movements that are exactly the same as a male's. We're the same animal. Mm. True. Compared to the cardio, I suppose. However, so when you're saying need to lift, you're saying like lifting as in they need to lift as in do more work or lift as in do lifting exercise like deadlifts and those sort of things? Yeah, good question. So deadlifts, I believe, are very important. But yeah, they should lift, they should squat, they should press. Um, they should use kettlebells, um, then start using other different sort of exercises. Like I'm a big fan of sandbags and all that stuff as well. Uh, and the reason why I'm big fans of all those sort of um, equipment is because they're the kind of stuff that we pick up in day-to-day life. Uh, you don't pick up, uh, you know, think of a dumbbell for a second, even though I, I use dumbbells, but think of a dumbbell. There is no point in your whole life that you ever pick something up that has a handle in the middle and weight evenly distributed either side. <laughs> You pick up a grocery bag and there's a handle at the top, weight at the bottom. What does a kettlebell look like? Yeah. A handbag. <laughs> a handbag. I've had girls, I've had some clients, yeah. female clients carried on their elbow and I'm like, put that down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except in some cases, I think the kettlebell is probably lighter. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Certainly after, oh, it was tonight after I did my shopping, I tell you what. Yeah, Definitely. <laughs> Um, this well, yeah. is re- this is great. This actually uh, this is really good for people to hear because you know often people and look I I, I know of a, a group of people in New Zealand who are doing a bunch of training 
in the outdoors with kettlebells and it's all functional training and, and I think it's excellent what those guys are doing over there. It's really good. And of course, Bredo, you're into um, a particular type of training, which is what you would call very functional. Is that what, what's, what are you doing? What's your training again? Well, I do, mine's a little bit sort of more on the CrossFit model, which yeah. is a very functional training. So I'm sure you've come across that, Dave. I actually was in uh, a CrossFit comp yesterday. Brilliant. Yeah, I think there was one in Adelaide over the weekend, actually. Yeah, I think there was actually one in Queensland as well. <laughs> wow. So, How'd you go, Dave? You're not too bad. It's my first CrossFit comp. Now, I'm, I'm a CrossFit coach. Um, there's things about CrossFit that I like and that I agree with. There's yep. a lot of things about CrossFit that I don't like and don't agree with as well. Ooh, okay, so, I like that. Let's was, talk about what, that. Yeah, what don't you like about CrossFit? Because... You know, it's a bit of a craze. It's certainly become a bit of a cult. Like, you know, if you're paleo, then you CrossFit. If you CrossFit, then you paleo. That's kind of, but that's the that's the fad and fashion at the moment. It's like blue jeans were in the fifties. Like, it's exactly what's going on at the moment. What is it about this particular thing that could be not right? I'm not a big fan of a large group of people doing Olympic lifts uh, with not too many trainers in the room for one. Um, not a very big fan of that. So I, I personally, with my clients, don't teach many snatches at all, um, uh, as in the Olympic movement and snatch. Is it a good movement? Absolutely. Is it a good movement for athletes? Absolutely. Uh, with my clients, I will never train more than four people at one time. It still allows me to coach and still have that personal aspect and still be there to, to look at specifics of the movement. Now, CrossFit coaches, a lot of them are fantastic coaches and they know what they're talking about. But your ability to control a whole room from anywhere from six through to 20 uh, athletes doing those sorts of movements or doing pull-ups or whichever. I mean, your technique is the base of every single movement you do. Uh, it's so crucial. And if you, you lose that, then, you know, you lose your ability to coach and to um, to have clients working at their best and producing their best results as well. I'm not a big fan of that. And that's why it really came through yesterday watching the, the, the guys who won and took it out, which was oh, – I was close. Uh, the guys who won and took it out, they, they're awesome. They're really good athletes. And the guys that do it really well are really good athletes. The general population, though, not so much. And they need a bit more attention to detail. And it's a good point, I reckon, Dave, because I reckon for those sort of movements, and, and I have actually done a lot of my work one-on-one rather than in big groups, and I reckon for those sort of movements, the technique is so important. So it's really important for people to, to learn how to do that right technique and to monitor that over time if you're going to do that sort of exercise because um, that is really important to get that technique just right. Yeah, I think yeah, it's so important because most people go into, you know, a, a workout session or a gym, they're thinking that, you know, I want to lift more weights, um, especially when they're starting. Like, I just want to pump some iron and, and uh, build some muscle. But what they forget is the technique is so important. What you laid out is that guiding through the techniques with very or even no weights is probably more important at the beginning um, than, you know, actually having using weights at all. Absolutely, I agree. So it's interesting and things about, like I said, with CrossFit is that, um, you know, they they do a lot of that and I've been to their cert and their cert is great and they really drum home those points. But we're talking about this is for the trainers, you know. I mean, obviously not just trainers can go to that. People that are a mortgage broker can get their certification in CrossFit. Um, they don't need to have a background from there necessarily. So I suppose, like I said earlier, the guys that do it really well are awesome athletes and I really take my hat off to them. Um However, for the general population, I believe they should have a far more attention to detail. I really do. So, and that's why I changed my business model around. But I also was flipping tractor tires and doing deadlifts and climbing on monkey bars well before I knew what CrossFit was. So, that's another yep. reason why I'm not prepared to give up my intellectual property to CrossFit when I don't use all this stuff. <laughs> doesn't quite make now, sense. 
Now, Dave, if we're talking about the, the general population out there and if people are out there doing a workout and perhaps they're not working one-on-one with a personal trainer or, you know, they're not actually going to gym at the moment but they're doing their exercise at home or whatever they're doing, if they want to actually just start making their fitness a bit more functional, you know, what are kind of the first steps for them to start, you know, changing around and making it a bit more functional? Uh, three movements, I suppose, I would say. And that's learning how to squat, learning how to lift, or four movements, and learn how to pull, pull as in a pull-up. So deadlift, yep. squat, pull-up, push-up. Those four movements alone um, would be the base of where to start anyway, at least, at the very, very least. So those have a lot of attention to detail with technique once again, but you can do most of those sort of stuff body weight, and you can do them in your home backyard, uh, even with a, a decent-sized kettlebell or um, dog food bags if you wanted to, I suppose, <laughs> as a weight resistance. So, or you know, a bucket of water. So you can do those sorts of things at home and um, you don't need to take an hour and a half out of the day to do some exercise. Uh, I suppose, like I said earlier, uh, it's about education. It's about being educated with how that can work and how I can do that at home in 15, 20 minutes. So is that your work typical workout for your clients is about 20 minutes to half an hour? or? Yeah, I, I mix it up. I believe, you know, life doesn't give you structured rest so neither should you train. Ah, so, nice. Nice. I like that. Um, <laughs> nice. We, you know, we might have a four-minute workout. Um, we might have three four-minute workouts. We might have uh, – this is obviously – it changes every single day. So your body is constantly attempting to adapt to what it's been asked to adapt to. And or we might have – like we on last Thursday, we had a 40-minute, um, as you would know, ready in the MRAP, as many rounds as possible. So we had <laughs> X amount of workouts, and it was 40 minutes, three, two, one. Let's see how many you can get out. Of course, with good technique. Mm. Nasty. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I'm feeling it now. Um, oh, I actually did it. I don't know why I did it because I was very sore come Saturday for the comp. <laughs> My legs, I'm like, idiots. <laughs> so, mate, I mean, obviously, you know, there's clear benefits to exercise just generally. You know, uh, since the 70s, people have been doing this jogging thing, um, at least since the 70s it became popular. Uh, and we know that has benefit for the cardiovascular system, albeit I reckon running is just a little bit boring unless you're heading in, in a particular direction. And Brett can run for like days, nonstop. Yeah. nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> in chase of a kangaroo or something, right? And, <laughs> Until and, it passes and out. Usually right? he gets That's it. That's right. Usually he gets it. But uh, what are the benefits of functional fitness? So how would someone – I mean, uh, we, uh, look, I, we know this from a chiropractic point of view because we know there's benefit to the spine and the nervous system if you are actually – uh, functioning properly, uh, but can you elaborate a little bit, I suppose, so the average person listening to the call, everybody listening to the call, so that if those people haven't been trained in chiropractic or physiotherapy or osteopathy or anything like that, um, what, what are they, how are they going to benefit from this thing? It's, it's interesting. Um, going back to CrossFit for a second, they, their tagline and their claim is, you know, forging elite fitness. And if you, like I said before, if you look at the guys that do it really, really well, they do. They are quite very much elite, um, especially in their own sport, which is CrossFit. Definitely. However, forging elite fitness isn't for every single person, mm-hmm. but functional training is. Okay. Because that's how we move. So we do lift every single day. We do squat every single day. I have so many clients coming, you know, not so, I shouldn't say so many, but I've had a lot of clients over the years say, oh, I can't do deadlifts or I can't do squats because I've got a bad back. Mm. Um, and I'm like, well, that's the reason why we should do squats and we should do deadlifts. Mm. I have not I'm yet to see someone um, not improve uh, their back mobility, back stability, back strength from doing those movements correctly. So I suppose as a generalization, um, we can look at the whole thing as people just getting leaner uh, from the correct movements, their body shape's changing. Um, 
also from there, I mean, I've had clients, for example, a, a 50-year-old client of mine who comes home, comes not comes home, I'm not living with her, sorry, um, who comes back to the gym on a Tuesday after a long weekend and she's bubbling exciting at 6 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, Alice, you're never this excited at 6 o'clock in the morning. What's going on? She's like, I gardened for four hours every single day of the weekend and I did not pull up sore. Mm. That's brilliant. Yeah. So that's completely different to, you know, I do the strength conditioning for TIE fighters and I do that and it's completely different. But however, it's very similar training um, as well. It was really interesting to see that those characteristics carry across and they can benefit to any single person for those reasons. Yeah. With regards to uh, lifting, for example, a lot of people go, I don't want to lose size. I've got girls who are lifting 110 kilograms or less than 70 kilograms and they're not big girls. They're not heavy girls at all. They're very, very light girls. And I've got guys who are 72 kilograms deadlifting over 200 kilograms and they're very quite whippy. So you look at those sort of stats and you go, right, these things don't make you slow. They don't make you big. Yep. Yeah, I reckon something you touched on earlier, Dave, was a really good exa- a good explanation of it, which was just that, you know, when you're doing this functional fitness, it gives you that knowledge that you can actually kind of do just about whatever it is that you want to do because you've done this, you know, big variety of training and these really functional movements. So it's almost like anytime something comes up during the day or someone gives you a challenge or, you know, you start playing some sport, you're like, well, I know I can do this because I've kind of done that similar motion when I've been doing my functional training. So it almost just prepares you so that you're not going through life thinking, oh, I can't do that or I'm not sure if I can do that. You're just like whatever comes up, you're like, hey, yep, cool, let's do it. Absolutely. There's, um, you'll find if you see on my uh, Facebook page with some pictures of some shirts on there that I um, I have and I, I wore them at the CrossFit comp on the weekend and it, on the front of it it says anywhere, anytime athlete um, because you, you know, you're ready anywhere, anytime. That's basically the whole concept that whether you're gardening or whether you have to run away from the going and going up your street in Adelaide. Or running um, towards it. Yeah, running towards it. You know, like, no offense to Zumba, but you're not going to Zumba towards it, you know? So it's, it's, don't get me wrong, now. There's nothing wrong with Zumba. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, and that's going to get somebody out there doing something. Uh, even if it is your generic demo training, there's nothing wrong with that to begin with. But I do believe, and the studies, I believe, show as well, that there is a better way to do it. And this is um, this is why I'm pretty passionate about it. And I'm going to, you know, do my best to get it. This scene is mainstream training. Functional training should be mainstream training. And yet, it's actually sold, especially through CrossFit community, as rogue and renegade. Uh, that's the one thing that I also, you know, not a big fan of. It's a generalization, of course, for CrossFit. But um, you know, you you buy your CrossFit equipment or your your functional movement equipment from rogue websites. They're called rogue weightlifting or whatever. You're like, it shouldn't be rogue. This should be mainstream training. Yeah. This is what everyone should be doing. So, Dave, I'd, I'd love you to talk a little bit about intensity because you spoke before about you know doing a four-minute exercise or doing a 20-minute exercise. So I'd love to hear your thoughts around that because I know that when you're doing this functional training, you can, you can really sort of combine the cardio stuff and the resistance stuff at the same time. So I'd love you to talk about that a little bit, about how, what sort of intensity you do your training at. Yeah, so there's another way to say make weight your cardio. Um, yeah. is an easy way to explain it. So uh, intensity-wise, you're – you, Another way to look at it once again is tempo, yeah? So yep. intensity and tempo of your movements. Now, um, I believe your tempo should be should be judged basically by how well you can keep your technique. So the best way I explain it to clients when they're first starting off is that your technique, then your ability to produce that technique at power or pace or speed or you know, speed or strength, and then your ability to keep that technique at power for an extended period of time. 
So if you think about that as just running, for example, the person that wins a run, the running race is the person that can keep their technique at a certain speed for an extended period of time. Uh, same thing with, not always the case, but with um, with most sports as well, is that the fittest person will usually, you know, you're not going to get the least fittest team winning a grand final. Uh, very rarely. It's the exact same thing. So in regards to the intensity of the workouts, they should be as fast as your technique will allow. Yeah. And you should keep pushing that point because over the, over the time, over the years, over the months, over the days, over the weeks, and I see it happen very rapidly because your body learns very quickly. Um, the mobility gets better. Their their knowledge of where they are gets better. I don't have any mirrors in my gym. I don't need it. So we're not, you know, we don't do bicycle. We don't need, you know, we don't need mirrors. Um, so your intensity should be judged by your technique and how fast you can push that technique, but also the confidence in your own ability. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, you're doing pretty high intensity, aren't you? With, with you know, if you're talking about a four minute workout, that's obviously you know you're you're pushing it there. Hundred oh, percent. Yeah, you go on flat chat, flat chat. Yeah, there's no question. So, but once again, my my 50 year olds and my six year old clients will do the same thing. Um, this is where the rule of what I call relative intensity comes into place. So, what's more important than what your score is at the end of those four minutes? Um, what's more important than your score is the fact that you've given 100. percent If you only got two rounds out, but that's what you could do, that's fine. That's that's what I want to see. I'd prefer to work with that person who didn't then compared to the person who didn't go all out and only got, you know, five rounds. They're like, they may have got more rounds, but they don't really want to be there. Mm. They don't really want to grow. They don't want to really want to, you know, get the results in regards to their health and, you know, their athleticism and whatnot. And this comes with every single yeah. person. And I think that's a great point when we're talking about all things to do with wellness. You know, it's really, it's not about comparing yourself to other people. You know, it's about comparing yourself to yourself and just continually improving. And as long as you're heading in that right direction, then, then you're always heading, you know, getting closer and getting better than you know what you were before, and that's what wellness is really all about—just that that's continual right. improvement. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely, I think that comes from education. And like I said earlier, accountability—it's a big thing. Uh, if you know that, you know, a good example is I run six-week nutrition courses where I go through and I educate the clients on what they should be eating, how much, and all that, you know, uh, when, and all that stuff. So that at the end of the six weeks, they know what they can swap certain foods with. Um, you know, they also know what a protein is. <laughs> A lot of people. I saw a study recently about eggs and eggs and bagels. I'm like, there's a protein and a carbohydrate. You can't. Uh, it doesn't matter. But you go through those six weeks, and you that person comes out on the other side, knowing what they should be eating, what they should be doing. Uh, the one of my clients who I did that with ended up losing nine and a half centimeters off her waist. Now I've trained her for over a year, but it wasn't until she was ready to learn about nutrition that we really got those kind of results. However, what was funny was that leading into those six weeks, she's like. I brought up the subject of chocolate. She's like, oh, I have chocolate sometimes. I'm like, well, what about sometimes? She's like, every day. I'm like, are you <laughs> cheating on me? You're cheating on me every single day? <laughs> I feel dirty. <laughs> and um, I said, look, I'll tell you what. You can have as much chocolate as you want whenever you want it. And she looked at me really weird. I go, but you have to take a photo of it first and send it to me. Her accountability <laughs> just went up, like, through the roof. I never got a picture of chocolate. Not one picture. I could, I could imagine uh, there'll be girls lining up at your door tomorrow, Dave, just uh, with heaps of photos. Maybe they're photos of chocolate. That's okay. I always like the one from uh, from Dr. James Chestnut, who's a Canadian chiropractor and a bit of a wellness guru as well. And, and he tells people that if they want to eat the chocolate bar, then they have to eat it naked in front of the mirror. I like that one. <laughs> nice. And then set a photo. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, There's some accountability there, though. 
Well, there is. Thing, you know, Brett touched on before just all the things that make wellness and make wellness happen. And the key thing is that you're moving in a direction towards wellness. Not that you actually ever make wellness happen. It's actually part of, or it's a philosophy about life that you actually engage in and that you that you um, take part in. So that uh, if functional fitness is going to help you out, which you know, I think all of us on this call would recommend you to do some form of functional fitness because it will indeed help you out. If eating functional foods is going to help you out and if eating good live food is going to help you out and listening to the right sort of information is going to help you out, then why wouldn't you do it just to get yourself back on track and, and be well? And, um, you know, it just makes sense to me that that's what, in fact, we'll be doing. And this is, you know, this is one of the reasons why we do this, these calls every single week, because we want to give you as much information as possible so that you can make sure that you can find the information when, when you need it. And uh, it's going to apply to you when, you know, whenever you need it and for you to listen to it over and over again and tell your friends about it too. So make sure you do send your friends to thewellnessguy.com. Leave your comments below this episode um, on what you think and what you think about Diamond Dave. Um, so Dave, let, let me uh, could you give us some of your websites and uh, where people can contact you if they want more information about you? Absolutely. Uh, my website would be www.funkfitness.com.au. Now that's F-U-N-C fitness. .com.au. Uh, you can also find me, of course, on Facebook under Funk Fitness Australia. Uh, so that's the, the website at the moment is a blog website which would go through and you get plenty of my thoughts and what I think about health and wellness across there. And that's changing relatively pretty soon. But um, definitely any questions, of course, please send them through. I'm happy to help out regardless of where around Australia it is. Excellent. Well, we'll also All leave uh, your links onto um, on this episode at the bottom of this web episode so that you can actually go check uh, Diamond Dave's uh, website out and also the Facebook page and uh, definitely you know like his page and uh, you know see what he has to say too as well. Um, well, that's pretty much it for this particular episode. And like I said, uh, make sure you join us at thewellnessguys.com. Join us on Facebook, like us, uh, follow us on Twitter, and so sign up for notes of each episode and download us on iTunes as well. So until next week, beginning creating wellness into your lives, lead by example, and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week in the Wellness Guys Show. <laughs>